another episode of the Detox Podcast, a culture and conversation podcast where you can detox from the world around you and get a window into how other people live their lives. Come detox with detox. I'm your host, Joe Sean. On today's episode, I had the absolute pleasure of interviewing author and illustrator extraordinaire Scout Underhill. Scout Underhill is a non-binary queer author, illustrator, and a lifelong professional dog cuddler creating stories in the woods near Nashville, Tennessee. They started drawing comics as a wee child and never stopped. Dean Doggos began as a webcomic in 2017 after the real-life dogs were caught playing tabletop role-playing games. Having no thumbs of their own in which to hold pencils, the Doggos enlisted Scout's help to make them famous. When not drawing dog comics, Scout can be found thinking about dogs, playing with dogs, and cuddling with dogs. Scout received the award Best Person in the World from their own dogs in 2010 and has held the title every year since. Dean Doggo's Get the Party Started is their debut graphic novel. And they were on the show today to talk about this graphic novel and to talk about creating Dean Doggo's as a webcomic in 2017 and their origins as an illustrator, an author-illustrator extraordinaire. And we talk a lot about lessons you can learn and different ways to lower the barrier uh, into entry into role-playing tabletop games for people. It's a wonderful conversation. You're absolutely going to love it. But before we get there, I need to let you know that today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Empire Toys. Nostalgia is something everyone loves, and Empire Toys in Keller, Texas is on Nostalgia Overload. With toys and action figures from the 70s, 80s, 90s, and today, Empire Toys is a one-stop shop for a trip down memory lane and a chance to reclaim what was once yours but likely sold at a garage sale. Check out Empire Toys on Facebook, Instagram, or at TheEmpireToys.com. And by Self Unbound. Your quality of life, physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually, is a direct reflection of the level of abundant energy, ease, and connection your nervous system has to experience your life. At Self Unbound, your nervous system takes center stage as we help unbind your limited healing potential through network spinal care. Access the first steps to your Unbound journey by following them on Facebook, Instagram, or at selfunbound.com. Now, without further ado, my interview, my episode with Scout Underhill is right up after this. Welcome back to the Detox Podcast. With me at this time, I'm very excited. I've got Scout Scout Underhill on the show today to talk about a few different items. And I, I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I'm going to hold myself from digging into it yet. So, Scout, let me just ask you, how are you doing today? I'm doing really well today. Thank you. I've been really looking forward to being here. Well, thank you. I'm excited. Um, I, I made the mistake of doing this on one of my recent podcasts where I really dug into a topic that I was excited about. And I think it turned out well. And the conversation was really lovely. And mm-hmm. also I'm going to withhold from doing that this time because sometimes it, you know, I would say like an adventurer trying to find their way to a treasure through a mystic forest, sometimes it makes it hard to get back to the topic at hand. So <laughs> for brand new listeners here at the Detox Podcast, uh, what I like to invite you to do is to quote unquote detox from the world around you, get a window into how other people live their lives. And so I like to ask one question at the top of every show to each guest. And Scout, I'll ask you this. What are you currently, and I'm using air quotes here, detoxing from? So I think that I've been trying to detox from a typical work schedule mindset. Mm -hmm. Um, I have just naturally been inclined to late nights um and that has worked for me however it is really difficult for me during the daylight when i am maybe doing my hobbies or playing or chores to feel like that's okay it's a thing that typical people do after work but i'm doing it before work and i'm trying to tell myself that's okay i keep a schedule i tend to work like 9 p.m. to 3 a.m. sometimes. <laughs> so yeah. I, I'm not very functional around 11 a.m., you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. I think something that was made clear was made clear to me, or I would say was pointed out to me uh, by a dear friend of mine a year or two ago, they talked about how there's this uh, mentality around creativity manifests in the mm-hmm. in the dark quiet times right yeah so for some people that's first thing in the morning and for mm-hmm. others 
it's late in the evenings. And I've mm-hmm. found there are so many times where if I'm trying to be productive about a specific task, whether it's work related, like a spreadsheet or whether it's around mm-hmm. the house, cleaning or laundry or whatever, midday, early evening, there's lots of different times where that seems to work pretty well. But if I'm really sitting with something and I'm trying to creatively manifest something or or work on tweaking it or putting something new out, it is hard for me to focus during the like bright, bright light of the day. And it's and I remember the 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 notion I had gotten from my friend who I believe she read it in an article was that in the quiet spaces, it feels more intimate and it feels Mm. like we're alone or even if we're with someone, right? We're alone Mm. in our thoughts and our spaces. So we have the ability to, to kind of wonder. And then during the day, there's sort of the harsh lights as it were of everything is illuminated. You see all the things that need to get done. You got to do that. So I really appreciate the, the, the recognizing when you're working it and being creative mm-hmm. and also allowing yourself the space to say, uh, it's all right if my quote unquote daily, you know, schedule is, is opposite of, yeah. of what folks in the corporate environment might consider as the nine to five. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I like that about like the quiet moments and stuff because it is, it is very like that, you know, uh, most people are not up at two in the morning. So here I, <laughs> I'm, I get to enjoy drawing comics about dogs at 2am and just by myself with my yeah. dogs. It's great. <laughs> I love that. Well, I think that's a good segue actually to talk, to bring us into what we're here to talk about today. So Dean Doggo's Get the Party Started is your first, uh, let me, let me make sure, correct me if I am wrong. It is your first published graphic novel with this particular series that has been a webcomic since 2017? Correct. All it right. It's also just my first published book ever. Okay, so perfect. I, yes, yeah. I uh, See, I just assumed you had had multiple instances of being published because this one was so fantastic. So I think <laughs> this is me manifesting for you. Oh, my gosh. A multi-book deal. So let's just oh, let's put you. that out in the universe, <laughs> right? Um for folks, but yeah. So your first published work, and yeah. it man, it stems from the Dean Doggo's uh, webcomic that has existed since 2017. So talk, mm-hmm. we're gonna we're gonna talk about the book quite a bit, and I'm gonna say it right here at the top, and I'm probably gonna say it a couple other times as well. If you've not pre-ordered this book, it's coming out next Tuesday, February 27th. Uh, right? Is yes. that correct? Yes. yes. Okay. Yes. Next yes, Tuesday, is, February yes. 27th. <laughs> Well, I will say if you're listening to this when this episode is released, it's Tuesday, February 27th. If you're listening to this in the way future, just go buy it. It's already out. I don't know why you're <laughs> you're waiting. But pause the podcast. You can come back and resume it. Pause it. Go pre-order it. Go pre-order multiple copies. I already texted one of my best friends, Matt, who, shout out to Matt, uh, loves D&D, loves dogs, loves graphic novels. So I said, well, this is, your, this is up your alley. I know he already went and pre-ordered it. So there we go you can send it to a friend because it's fantastic. So pause it and then you can come back and listen to it. But yes, but bringing it back around <laughs> to the origins of the webcomic, I want I want to ask before we even get there, let's wind the clock back a bit and I want to mm-hmm. know what were your original um interest in drawing mm-hmm. and illustrating and how did that manifest in some of your early days? Oh my gosh. Uh I I think a lot of illustrators say, oh, I've been drawing my whole life. And and a lot of us, you know, really have been. Um, so I remember drawing comics when I was like little, little, like five, six years old. You know, I was reading Calvin and Hobbes, although I'm not sure reading is quite the the right <laughs> word to use because I was quite young. I, a lot of it went over my head, but I just I loved it. So I would be drawing these comics about um like big jungle cats. I was really into big jungle cats when I was a kid and they all looked exactly the same, except like one had stripes and one had spots and one was black, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I don't even know what they did. They were terrible comics. Like they were just sitting around, the bubbles are all in the wrong place and everything. It's <laughs> it's horrible, but I love them. Like, it's just, you know, a kid, a kid playing with comics. And then um, as I got a little bit older, uh, when I was about 12 years old, I became immediately obsessed with sonic the hedgehog yes <laughs> so, sonic the hedgehog is 100 percent the reason i'm a professional illustrator today 
uh i was into the, like it was the first video game i pre-ordered i was so excited oh, yes. sonic adventure dreamcast yes oh, yeah. oh my gosh that's exactly <laughs> i was and oh i got like oh sorry i got all that like i started going weekly to the to the magazine store and getting the archie comics and stuff i just yeah <laughs> You're talking about Sonic, and I remember we bought our Sega Genesis, and it came with uh, Sonic the Hedgehog. I think it was Sonic 2 with Tails, mm -hmm. right? Tails, mm -hmm, uh, Miles, mm -hmm. Tails, Prower. Um, oh, yeah. And I just remember it starting in the Sega. Yeah. Like, oh. Oh, yeah. There was nothing yeah. better than that sound. Anyways. No. Um, it's so good. <laughs> yes. Okay, so you went, so Sonic the Hedgehog drew brought you into the world of illustrating and mm -hmm. then you got Archie comics on the regular. Were there any other besides Archie, were there any other particular series that you were, um, that really sparked your interest? I mean, I know for me, when I was a young kid, I definitely read Archie comics and I read a couple of other mm -hmm. comics, but I was mostly drawn to, you know, kind of the superhero comics mm -hmm. for, the, for the most part. And then occasionally I would realize, oh, you could have other interesting comics that weren't superhero related. Like I wrote mm -hmm. down, I remember reading 1010 a lot. And then mm -hmm. I also read, uh, bone i think that was the name yeah of it. yeah yeah i never i never really read a lot of bone but i i like it um and i i to this day i'm not really a huge fan of superhero comics like they're fantastic great it's just not an yeah, interest sure. of mine i mean to be fair if it doesn't have animals i'm usually not that interested and that's just been a lifelong thing yeah and uh like so i've just always 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 been drawing animals uh and some of that i'm realizing might be because i'm face blind so i really struggle to, ah, to even okay. picture faces in my head it's hard to remember people it's hard to watch tv shows <laughs> so like in addition to just being more drawn to animals anyway I think that like I really struggle drawing people and I even struggle sometimes reading comics that are just human characters because if if they have an outfit change I might not I might not know <laughs> like that's interesting yeah. that's really yeah. interesting okay so um wow I I'm even just like well pausing do you know Everyone makes fun of like Superman and Clark Kent and his or his his uh, disguise is just glasses. No, yeah. that works. For me. That would absolutely work on me. <laughs> uh, wow, that's uh, that's incredible. Well, I think that's it. That's interesting. <laughs> that's interesting though about the about the animals, right? And so I'm I'm interested in. Um, when did you start? I know this is there's kind of like. I want, I want to get to a couple of pieces in the book. Um, mm -hmm. and I don't want to skip over some of your early designs, but maybe let's, let's, let's fast forward just a little bit to your decision to create the Dean Daga's webcomic in 2017, mm -hmm. where I feel like in a lot of these endeavors, it's been, you've been cooking, right? You've been working on this for a while. It's just at a certain point you put it out there for people to start oh. enjoying. So, so how did oh, that no. go? Oh, no. Okay. So it, tell me uh, about that. This was an accident. Oh, okay. Even better. An accidental, <laughs> I, uh, which led to a wonderful an, an accident, An accidental career in comics, yes. Um, I mean, the truth is that, yeah, I made the very first comic. Uh, Dean Doggo's number one is called The Ogre. And again, I'm not inclined toward mornings. And so I had uh, my four dogs, Magnus, Pickles, Tonka, and Zoe. And Magnus was asleep on the bed. Tonka and Pickles were wrestling too loudly. And when I went to kick them out of the bedroom, uh, Zoe thought it was time for breakfast. So the three of them got locked out. So the comic is that the ogre is me. They get locked out of the bedroom and they're super bored. Magnus ended up being the game master because, well, he's just uh, my very best friend in the whole world and also the best, the best of them. So he didn't like, he wasn't involved in that incident. Um, a couple hours later, when I was like more awake, I was like, you know what, that kind of would be like a really silly D&D &D type of thing. So I made the one the first comic and I was just going to share it like with friends and family. I didn't really have like a social media presence. I didn't even call it D&D Doggos at the time. It was just this thing I put out there. Right. I have a friend, uh, Guy Copsonbutt, who did a daily comic called 4AM Shower for a very long time. And Guy is a dear, dear friend of mine. At the time... 
he was the only one in our like my group of illustrator friends who was doing comics and as soon as I did that one he was just like oh my god please keep <laughs> you should do this you could do it daily and I said no guy I'm not doing this daily he said <laughs> what about weekly so I started doing it weekly and it just like it grew people really liked it I was enjoying making it um and it was just something that I was like, well, I'm just going to keep doing this until it stops being fun, I guess. And it never stopped being fun. <laughs> it just got even more fun. <laughs> when you're planning out where the story goes, mm -hmm. how how far in it? Well, I would say omitting the very first issue, issue right? Mm -hmm. Or, or um, comic. How far in advance did you start to plan the arcs of where you wanted mm. some of the characters to go? Uh, I mean, to be honest, like, I, I'm not a planner. I am a, a what we call a pantser. So I have a... <laughs> are you familiar with that term? No, not at oh, all. Oh, you're not? It's okay. So it's like flying by the seat of your pants. Oh, <laughs> yes. Okay. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. But I've never, I don't think I would have ever called someone a pantser. That makes yeah. me think that they walk around pantsing people, like pulling yeah, their pants right? out. <laughs> no. <laughs> There's some people who are like uh, plotters and planners and uh, pantsers okay. or. I don't know, a mix of the two or something. I, t I tend to have a very, like, a, a kind of nebulous idea of, like, what I want them to be doing. Um, there might be, a, there's typically a beginning and an end. Sometimes there's a middle. But getting there, a lot of the time, it's the characters end up leading me places, you know. And I might start like I I do not write a script. I script my pages as I go as I'm sketching them as well. And so it just might occur to me that okay this dog you know Tonka's going to do something silly here and that's going to affect the next couple pages yeah um but i have had uh, for the web comic i've had an idea of what they were going to be doing for years um and it, i'm very it's a weekly comic and then i haven't updated it very much recently uh, i've been working on the books um but yeah like i have an idea i just haven't really quite got there and then <laughs> I've, I've had to like pivot it a little bit but it's a uh, I don't know. I'm not a planner. <laughs> no, but I, I, I like that. I think, you know, what I'm hearing is you're creating space um, almost, almost, I would say within um, like the main characters within D and Doggos as they're going through this campaign, there's, there's a, there's an outline of where they need to go and how to get mm -hmm. there, but the, there's room for them to play, right? There's room mm -hmm. for them to explore the, the world and to explore yeah. the game and explore the situation. And so it sounds like in a similar way, you're allowing the characters to play in the, in the mm -hmm. space that you're creating. And also you're like, all right, well, I think let, let, what if we went this direction, what would mm -hmm. this look like if they encountered this village or this particular mm -hmm. person, how would that go? And I like that. Plus I just, the idea, I, I gotta say when, when I heard about, this idea, the first thing I, I thought of, like, this is, this is, it was perfect. I went, <laughs> we've seen dogs playing poker. Okay. Uh -huh. What if they play D and D? How would that go? Yeah. I'm interested in that story. I want to <laughs> see how that would go. Right. Like, like that's so fascinating to me. And so obviously yeah. your dogs that you had mm -hmm. were the, the motivation for the characters within, within the campaign. So, mm -hmm. What has been your background in playing tabletop games? Mm -hmm. uh, I started playing only about a year before I started the comic. Okay. So I, my original campaign uh, was like just some of my, my siblings and uh, Lost Minds of Fandelver, D&D 5e. You know, I think a lot of people start with that one. I was playing a, a tiefling druid. Okay. Um, and she was in bear form most of the time. So the next time I made a character, it was a barbarian. <laughs> because <laughs> I was like that. I am not great at, at, I'm not great at the deeper characters. I'm not great at like uh, sorcerers, I think are really cool. I don't know how to play them, but I can play a barbarian. You know, I can walk up to something and hit it with an axe. <laughs> it's it's pretty like, straightforward. Yeah, right. That's a uh, pickles plays a fighter. And I'm just like, yeah, that resonates, you know. <laughs> But there was uh, the I will say 
I love. I have always loved the idea of playing role playing games, and there's a couple times where I've dabbled, and the times in which I've been successful are the times in which I've played a character that's a little bit easier to grasp mm-hmm. and pretty straightforward. My very first time I played, I I made the idea. I, I thought this would be wonderful. I decided I was going to be chaotic neutral. Why? Uh-huh. Why did I think oh. that was a good idea? Chaotic. It's the best one. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I'll be chaotic neutral, and I was like some kind of sun spot warrior like i don't even know I, w- I was like red I, it sounded really cool and i spent uh-huh. hours on it and what i found was it was too obscure once we got mm. into the campaign and there was like weird things i couldn't couldn't do and i'm like mm. i don't the best part was i decided to go all in and this is just me retelling like one campaign now all of a sudden mm-hmm. um please, uh, please. we we, <laughs> we went to this village or this one town and there was like a a, a gladiator arena type game Mm-hmm. And I and like it wasn't really supposed to be part of the campaign. It was supposed to be more of like an anecdotal thing that we saw and like got some information mm-hmm. in the crowd. And I just decided to raise my big old like red barbarian hand and was like, I'm going to participate. And I was supposed yeah. to be so outmatched. And I kept winning. I kept rolling like <laughs> tw- like, you know, natural 20s, like boom, 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 boom. The game master was like, I don't understand what is happening. And I was like, finally, on the last battle, I went. I was like holding up my my weapon and like waving it around and was just like, all right, what will you give me if I win? Uh And she's like, I mean, I guess I'll have to give you the map to like the town, but you're not really supposed to get that until like four more stops later. But I mean, if you win, right, like the the king or the person Mm -hmm. in charge is going to be so impressed, whatever. I, I missed a, a one roll. I was like, I, w- oh, I, I should have no. taken me to Vegas because I was like throwing 20s, <laughs> 20s. And the last one, she was like, all right you have to get, I think it was an 18 or higher to win. I was mm-hmm. like, I can't lose. I got a 17. No. Oh, and I got oh. knocked out. But because I'd done so well, I got like a few perks. But that was that yeah. was something where I was like, all right, my, my shape worked. But yeah. yeah, after that, I was just like, I couldn't like go out in certain weather mm-hmm. and there was all these things going on. But all of that to say, <laughs> if you've been interested in this, these are some of the uh, wonderful uh, hijinks that can happen within mm-hmm. a within a campaign. And that's what our, our four characters get into within Dean Dago. So I wanted to ask, what was the the idea for you when you're pitching this as a book? Did you pitch it or did somebody come to you and yeah. say, I want to make this a book? They came to you? Uh- both okay (laughs) so i i did put together a a pitch packet which is um great a great thing that we get to do with graphic novels we get to put together a little packet and it's not the whole thing um it has like a couple sample pages and the synopsis and stuff and i was actually doing a twitter pitch event now i can't remember if it was kidlit graphic novel or if it was a dv pit but it was it was either one of those i can't recall and I was I was pitching, you know, a couple tweets throughout the day. And um, my editor, Holly West, uh, came in and she retweeted it. And then she would retweet it with like a comment like, ooh, someone better get this. At the end of the event, she slid into my DMs and was like, hey, you should send this to me. Um, so I did. <laughs> <laughs> she read it over like this was like in October, November or something so of 2020 even so uh she read it over that holiday break um and was like hey i'm going to take this to acquisitions uh so she took it to acquisitions on um january 6th of 2021 which was a very interesting day uh in america and in my life (laughs) and uh then i was like asking my friends like i don't really know you know it's at acquisitions i don't know how long that'll take and people oh you know just give it some time it could be a couple days a couple of weeks whatever she came back the same day with an offer and i said thank you let me go get an agent and she said okay (laughs) so so then i went and got an agent so it was it was not not typical however i will say that's because i also did what was that uh three and a half or almost four years of the webcomic before that so she had found that during the pandemic Mm. um fell in love with it she's a she's a huge nerd too plays in a bunch of campaigns and stuff so she already had fallen in love with uh the webcomic so when she saw it as um a pitch you know she was like already knowing that it's something that she liked and wanted to see more of um and also it's no it was a brand new story too it was not what i pitched she she basically said um i 
love I love this we're like the the core of it is the same the core is my four dogs playing and they're on an adventure um and she said we are going to keep the title please change everything else <laughs> so <laughs> I came up with a brand new synopsis and a brand new story just and they all start at uh, level one in the book too so yeah and for those that don't know can you uh run down for folks the and i realized i was just saying natural 20 and people are like I, uh -huh. huh so when you're and i'm gonna do my best to describe it and i'm gonna ask you to uh please correct me because i mm -hmm. am uh, a novice or perhaps it might be easier to say I am a level one uh, as it uh -huh. relates to life in this regard. Um, <laughs> so when you're starting a role-playing campaign, you get a specific character that you get to start your campaign with. You get a character sheet. It details what you can do and what the skill set is and, and what your power is or your mm -hmm. strengths and weaknesses are. Um, and you start out at a base level, level one, and over time, over multiple campaigns, um, and even sometimes within the same campaign, you level up over and mm -hmm. over again. That cre increases your skill set, increases your ability. Some characters have, you mentioned sorcerers, some characters can only do certain spells if they hit a certain level threshold. Um, mm -hmm. And before that point, they can only do basic spells. Is that yeah. mostly right? Yeah, okay. yeah, that's, the, that's a great rundown of it, I think, yeah. Perfect. You, it's it's you know like sim similar to a lot of video games as you start yeah, off like yeah, yeah. you know little little short sword and eventually you get to have like a cool flaming spiky sword or something you know. <laughs> Absolutely. You start looking like the guy in Game of Thrones that can't die um, because oh. he's got the 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 flaming sword. Um, oh. And 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 an eye patch. So not just a flaming mm. sword, but an eye patch as well. Um, it's the eye patch that does it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Um, and I said natural 20. So when you're in certain items, and actually the book does a really, really great job at the end of it that explains some of these uh, pieces of the game. Magnus does mm -hmm. a great job explaining what the different dice means. Um, sometimes you're rolling with a 20-sided die. Sometimes it's uh, a standard six-sided die that you might be familiar with. It depends on um, what the situation calls mm -hmm. for. Um, but yeah, there, you do a great job, I would say, within this book. Of allowing people that have that that have some knowledge of D and D or mm -hmm. no knowledge of D and D, being able to feel like they can pick up this book, follow along with what's going on, and be mm -hmm. excited. I know I, my kids took a look at this and they just thought it was hilarious. First of all, that the dogs were like playing a game; they thought yeah. that was hysterical. And then additionally, they loved the idea of um, the dogs playing make believe. Right. That was yeah. what, what they were what they were seeing. Mm -hmm. And they were like, this is so cool. I want to know more. So as you were scripting out this particular campaign and story, which is mm -hmm. um, kind of a, a clear start and finish for the campaign, mm -hmm. um, did you what I would say, what maybe challenges or or surprises did you encounter mm -hmm. as you were scripting this out? Mm. Oh, I, I, I hesitate to say that there were really i mean of course there's challenges this i'm making a book that's almost 300 pages and it's a huge undertaking but it was just so much fun to play with the format and it was so much fun to like it, it, it's so much different than the web comic um the, a lot of the surprises were that um speaking of chaos and, and pantsing is sometimes when I have an idea and I'm like, oh, it would be really cool right now if Pickles got a really high roll and she did this thing and it was really, it turned out really awesome, you know? Yeah. I'm like, you know what? Wait a second. I keep a, I keep some dice on my desk. <laughs> and so sometimes I might roll a D20 and if it's low, then I'm like, all right, okay, I'm going to pivot and we're going to see where this goes, where this I takes us. And I will... I'll just change it up. Yeah. <laughs> that is probably one of the most fun <laughs> things I've heard because one, it's on brand a hundred percent with what you're doing, but then also it's just makes it exciting. Right. I, I, yeah, I'm in the middle of a, um, uh, so Breaking Bad is one of my favorite TV shows and I'm in the middle of a Breaking Bad rewatch. And what I think is interesting is more of a side note is that I think it works really well on a binge. I was watching it week to week, right? When it came out mm -hmm. and I've rewatched it here and there a couple times, but I'm being very intentional about understanding, like, like understanding how the entire story ends now that Better Call Saul yeah. has ended and I'm watching it 
And I'm finding that I'm appreciating the good characters much more mm-hmm. than I did watching it week to week. Because week to week, I'm just like, oh, what is this evil man mm-hmm. going to do? And then watching it like in totality, I'm like, oh my gosh, he has a path of destruction that just wrecks mm-hmm. his whole family. But anyways, that, well, I'm not talking about that. I'm <laughs> talking about an interview that Vince Gilligan, the creator and showrunner of Breaking Bad, gave. And he said, I knew pretty much, like I knew how I wanted things to end. And mm-hmm. I knew how I wanted... Um, the overall story to wrap up, but Mm -hmm. I didn't have things scripted so tight. I intentionally wrote myself into a corner so I could Mm -hmm. sit back and go, what would, what realistically would this Mm -hmm. character do in this situation? Mm -hmm. What is like out of the scope of reality? What makes sense? What could happen that might be quote unquote luck? And what is makes sense given all of the things that led up to this moment. And then Mm -hmm. he would write them out of this particular corner you know, kind of an ongoing basis. And so I love that when you're writing some of these um, scripts and beats, you're thinking, mm-hmm. oh, I think this is where I want the story to go. You roll the dice and you're like, ooh, we got a two. Mm-hmm. How might it be more interesting if it doesn't go the way that Pickles is looking to go? What yeah. would the rest of the group do in that situation? I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you. <laughs> yeah. I just compared you to Vince Gilligan, by the way. So oh, I don't know oh if, people, gosh, well. if people people picks up on that. Again, I'm trying to manifest right more more <laughs> <book> deals for you. <laughs> well, um, I appreciate that. Of course, of course. Um, I gotta say, I I'm I'm a little irritated. I put a bookmark in one particular point in this book, and I've been browsing through it as you've been talking, trying to find it. And uh, my kiddo picked up the book, and the bookmark fell out, and I can't find it now. But um, oh, no. There was one particular moment that made me laugh out loud so hysterically, and I think it was just the characters are moving um, to a particular point in the story, and they think everything is going well, and the game master is asking them to do something, and they're like, why are you asking us this? And they narrow, narrow, Magnus (laughs) narrows his eyes and... um, is like no reason. I think it was. I think it was that situation, or it may have been something comparable. But I just laughed out loud so hysterically. So I wanted to ask, at, like, as you are creating these scenarios, and as you are giving each of the dogs their own personality, um, how are you? How do I want to ask this? How do you maintain? the individuality of each of the characters mm. while collectively moving them forward as a pack. Hmm. I think for me, since they are based on my real dogs, like they're already characters. Like I, I started this, let's see, Tonka was the youngest at the time. And I think that he was already five or six when I started, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they already had, a lot of their own personalities and pickles is just really tenacious and she's always been a fighter and sometimes didn't get along with zoe which we might see in in the book but a little bit you know friendly friendly kind of arguments and stuff um but yeah they just like they sort of write themselves and i like i love writing I've, i've been a writer and an illustrator forever i i used to write a lot of prose novels and stuff um but i I don't know. It feels bad to say that I don't think about it that much, but it just kind of happens. But I've been like, I've been working with these dogs for so long now. Yeah. No, I think, I think it's less of, you know, quote unquote, not thinking about it and more of you are so in tune with these, Mm. the, the inspiration for these characters that it's almost as if, you know, exactly what this particular one would say, whether mm-hmm. it's Tonker, Pickles, or Magnus, etc. And so you can surmise what the outcome is going to be based on this particular situation. So I would say yeah. I would say it's more of a step up in that you are fully immersed with sort of the the ideas and the inspiration for the character, which mm-hmm. allows you to create the scenarios in which they thrive. And I remembered the moment of the book where I laughed out loud. It was that uh-huh. part what was good but it was the part where it's near the end of the book i'm not going to give any spoilers away but our <laughs> three adventurers want to um howl or or yes. or give a particular <laughs> moment and they roll and they are very loud and obnoxious because they rolled so low on their um i for, i forget which particular check they, it was they- they were just trying to howl yeah. quietly. <laughs> and they and they failed like, at that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just 
just remember yeah. it was just like and they were like we rolled and it's like okay well you're not quiet and they're just like oh. you're not quiet yeah and they're like well we had fun anyway <laughs> yeah exactly um i want to shift gears and talk about which okay by the way i haven't said it again if you mm-hmm. haven't pre-ordered the book right now pause the podcast go pre-order it Go order it if you're listening to this way in the future. And I'm going to say if you're listening to this in the further future, um, Scout probably has multiple uh, instances of, of, <laughs> of Dean Doggos or multiple books out. So just go purchase the whole collection and resume the podcast. Now, um, on this particular uh, – where are my notes? Here we go. Um, I want to talk about uh, something that I received, which I think is fabulous, is mm-hmm. the – actual Dagos role-playing adventure game that you created that I got lovingly in my inbox from our friend Nicole and Uh and it has um guidelines character sheets Mm -hmm. it has um what the actual rules of combat and the points so I just want to like this is incredible i'm looking at this pdf i'm just scrolling through it you've got all the details of you know tonka zoe pickles juniper Mm -hmm. arrow biscotti which love that this dog is called biscotti like incredible (laughs) right um and notes for the game master etc etc and you've got the stat sheets and the enemy stat sheets as well so what was your i how did you come to the decision to create this um, to pair with the book yeah. and also um, to kind of be its own separate thing as well. Mm-hmm. Um, th- that was fully my editor, Holly West. She was like, what if we did this? And I said, yes, what if we did do that? <laughs> um, and she was like, you don't have to like format it. You don't have to put it together. We just need your brain of the world and stuff. Um, and so I was trying to think like, okay, we, we were trying to think of like, how would this adventure go? What would we want it to be? And decided that it would be kind of like a prequel to book one. So it's a little adventure you can play. It's not uh, like Dungeons and Dragons five, fifth edition rules. Right. It is sort of its own little thing. We wanted to keep it simpler. Like one of my big things doing d and Doggos all the time is just like lowering that barrier of entry of getting into tabletop because it can be really intimidating. Yeah, You have all these books that are huge and all these rules and then you have like a whole set of dice and you don't know which ones to roll and stuff. And I, if you are playing fifth edition, like I think that there are ways to, to lower that barrier anyway, but specifically for this little one shot, um, we're just using a D20. So it's easier for people maybe to get their hands on and you could buy like a bunch of them. Um, But yeah, so we wanted something that led into book one and in get the party started. We, in the first pages, we see uh, our adventurers, pickles, Tonka and Zoe, and they're standing in like this swampy area. And it just starts off looking at this collar that's floating in the middle. And they're like, is that the thing that we're supposed to get? And Zoe checks her notes and she's like, yeah, that's it. And they go to get that. So in the little one shot, they're on their way to the town of Tailspend when their caravan is sieged in the night and a package is stolen. So they have to go get it back. Um, And one of the other things that I really tried to do is um, for combat, I prefer to keep things like typically they're fighting things that are like animated rather than actually alive yeah um so there are some little twigs and things that they fight in the in the one shot it it's really cute and what i love about it is it feels very accessible to mm. players of all ages and specifically i'm thinking about you know my nine-year-old daughter and mm-hmm. my um, six and a half year old son like this is something that they could follow along with they could get really excited about and it could allow them the ability to um, be excited about potential future games and I know yeah. and I know for me and this is strictly speaking for me something that made it very difficult for me to uh, get into tabletop um, previously and has been a, a barrier in the past um, was being intimidated about the fact that, yeah. you know, I don't know. I, I, I personally struggle with a lot of high fantasy discussions mm-hmm. and it's because I mm-hmm. just, I, I don't, for whatever reason, I just can't wrap my brain around it. But if you drop me into like a real world scenario or, or, you know, the, 
the world contains dog adventurers <laughs> and and animated um, enemies, mm -hmm. right? Like I can yeah. get behind that. Or if it's you mm -hmm. know it's a Wizard of Oz role playing game or something, you know, like yeah. scenarios in which I can understand what who is involved in what we're doing makes it easy. Mm -hmm. So when I think about a new generation of players, I think about them picking up the D and Dago's role playing adventure game one shot mm -hmm. and going okay. Now I'm excited. I've got a little taste. I want to see what mm -hmm. else is out there and, and go from there. Because I love the idea of, of mm -hmm. role playing and, and different situations. And, and, and I've been kind of scared off from, from a few yeah. different situations in the past. So I love that you've created something that lowers the barrier of entry where then people can go, okay, now let me get more complex stuff. Let me get more excited. Maybe I pick up fifth edition and go all in. Who knows? Mm -hmm. It depends on the player. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said, with the, the books too, and, and my webcomic, I try to keep the rules really light, really simple. So they do touch on some typical things that you might uh, run into uh, if you're new to role-playing games and stuff. Like maybe you rolled the wrong dice because it looked similar to the one you were supposed to roll or something like that. Um, or not knowing like you know, if sometimes a game master might be like, well, what do you want to do? And it's like, well, I don't really know what my options are, you know? Right. So the dogs uh, experience some of that. Um, and I just, I don't enjoy getting really heavy into the rules either. And I have a lot of fans who maybe don't play at all and they just like dogs or they just like yep. comics, you know? And I don't want it to be so tight that it's only for the tabletop community. I want everybody to enjoy it for whatever reason that they do you know yeah. i love that i i would love to do a uh detox uh one shot uh live stream at some point with with multiple guests that would be awesome yes i'm gonna manifest this now we might have do to do it yes <laughs> I, I think i'm gonna write this down um, Tell nicole well yes we gotta, <laughs> we gotta do this uh, a detox uh role-playing one shot and we got to figure out who's going to be involved we got a lot of wonderful guests that i think would love and maybe maybe it's something i'm gonna put out here maybe it's something where we get together for a cause and people get to to, to yeah. rally around it so we'll, we'll figure something out we'll we'll talk offline we'll, we'll work yeah. that out because that would be fantastic we could do it on twitch people would love it all right all right we're, mm -hmm. we're just full of good ideas i love because it because yeah 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 we're full of good ideas because the sun has gone down we're getting creative yeah, exactly. there it is <laughs> um all right so i want to as we're starting to wrap this up what is um, maybe a particular lesson or takeaway you want people to have after reading uh, D and Doggo's Get the Party Started? I think my biggest takeaway is that I want people to just try things. Like it, it, everything is really scary to try something new. It's scary to try, you know, tabletop role playing games. It's scary also to like even. If you're playing with friends, maybe it's a little scary to like open up and role play your character, but you're with your friends, you know, so it just try to have a nice time and don't get too wrapped up in doing it right. I think that a lot of people that stops them and, and comics too, if you want to make comics, this is what I always say, please just make comics. If you look at the very first page one of my webcomic, versus what I'm drawing now after doing it for years. Like the reason I'm good at it now is that I've just done it. I didn't, again, I didn't have that plan of I'm going to do a web comic and it's going to be perfect. I was just like, oh, I'm in this now. Okay. <laughs> and so like, if, if you want to do it, you're already prepared and just give it a shot. I love that. Very cool. Well, thank you for that. Um, we are going to shift gears to a segment I call Things to Check Out. It's a segment mm -hmm. where I uh, give a recommendation of something for the audience to read, watch, and or listen to, and I invite my guests to do the same. Uh, I will go first uh, while you think of something you want to recommend. And, it, mm -hmm. and to be clear, this is something that is different from the recommendations we already gave, which is to pre-order or outright buy <laughs> Dan Doggo's Get the Party Started. I assume all the listeners have already done that um, uh, because I've said it a couple times, so <laughs> Go ahead and do that. But these are recommendations of other things. So um, read, watch, and or listen to. You know, my my recommendations are um, – I've been thinking about this quite a bit because I, I often go with what I'm thinking of or what I'm reading at the time. And so I think uh, – let me let me start with this. So um, from, a, from a watching perspective, this is a little bit difficult because um, – uh, my recommendation is Pokemon, and it's not necessarily the show. <laughs> my son, um, over the holidays, uh, got really into the Pokemon trading card game. And yeah. 
it was something where he had a friend who gave out like a three pack of cards as a Halloween gift, mm-hmm. right? And so he loved the what he loved about it was he loved um, he uh, he had seen the characters around like Pikachu, right? One of the cards was a Pikachu, and so he loved reading about the stats and asking mm. questions like, well, "What does this mean?" And so I explained it's part of a larger game. And I explained, you know, some people do the game and collect and some people just collect and some people just play the game. And so he asked for like just cards in general for Christmas Mm -hmm. because he didn't understand sort of um, the mechanics of it. So we found this really cool Pokemon Battle Academy entry level, again, lowers the barrier for entry for him to get into it. And it has a board and it, 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 it gives you three decks of cards and it walks you through how to play with the first two decks. And then you can play yeah. forever. And we've gotten him like different cards and people have gotten him cards. And so now one of the things that I love and Pokemon was something that I didn't get into as a kid. My, my mm. friends were into it. Um, but I know myself and I knew if I had gotten into it, I would have been way into it. Um, oh, that was me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> way, way into it. Well, yeah. now I'm living vicariously <laughs> through him because yeah. we, we play quite a bit and he will show me and he'll be like, this one has this one. And he'll tell yeah. me the things he's learning about the different uh, characters. So I that's some of my favorite times right now is he's really into the Pokemon game. Yeah. So I guess watching kind of is Pokemon, but um, yeah. really it's just Pokemon trading card game in general. It's been it's been a lot of fun. Um, From a reading perspective... I'm actually in the midst of reading this one particular book for an upcoming interview. A uh, friend of the podcast, he's been on the podcast a few times, uh, Brian McLaren. Uh, he's a uh, uh, theologian. He's been, he's done a, a couple different roles, um, but he wrote a book, Life After Doom, Wisdom and Courage for a World Falling Apart. And it's to say we are at a critical point in our life within the world where we are very fractured, both from a social perspective and from an environmental climate change perspective. And if we don't change some things and change our approach, then there's only one inevitable outcome. So he talks about there's a lot of doom, but how do we Mm -hmm. come together as a society, solve a climate perspective, and then also uh, realize that we need to come together socially Mm -hmm. and and Mm -hmm. how do we, but how do we start to mend those lines because it's so divisive right now. So it's it's a hard, but necessary read. So I've been reading that. Yeah. That's a recommendation I have. And then listening to, I've started re-listening to This American Life quite a bit. I used to listen a lot and then I got out of the habit. Um, but I'm reading this, or reading, I'm listening to this recent episode um, talking about the hidden questions that people ask, meaning what is the real question that people are asking when they're asking a question? And they start out with, um, there's this couple and he uh, he's talking about, uh, I forget the individual's name, but he's talking about he and his husband, um, when they meet people or when they were moving, they always had family members or other people say, oh, are one of you handy? And he was like, I don't know why that is relevant. And then he realized there's a hidden question that people are trying to ask behind the question. Mm. How many times in our society do people ask hidden questions behind the questions they're asking? So it's a very interesting mm. Um, sort of series of stories within this American life. And those are some of the reasons I enjoy listening to um, this American life is, is just to kind of um, stay in contact, right. With, with different yeah. perspectives I'm not aware of. So anyway, so those are recommendations for things to read, watch and or listen to scout. What uh, recommendations do you have for the audience? Mine are much sillier. <laughs> oh, I love it. We balance, we have a good balance of serious yeah. and silly here on the detox podcast. Um. So I have a, a friend of mine, Kirk Reedstrom, has uh, books coming out on March 5th, actually. So also pre-order if you yes, want. Yes, yes. Uh, Duck and Moose. Uh, it's a series. It's exactly what that sounds like. It's Duck and Moose, and they are fantastic. And I have watched this from the inception of an idea blossom into what it's going to become. And I'm so excited. So there's uh, two books in the series coming out. Uh, on March 5th and then he's been working on the third book and I'm just so so excited I'm excited to be uh, sharing a pub year with him because Kirk is fantastic just one of my favorite people this Um, it looks fantastic I looked it up while you were talking yeah it looks incredible it's so cute and and uh, Kirk is just amazing I I cannot wait to have those books yeah um for watching I, one of my favorite cartoons, it's on Netflix, and there's two seasons, is uh, Centaur World, Ooh, if you've ever seen that. I have not. I'll have to check that it's out. It's incredibly silly. There's songs. There's a lot of songs. Uh, and it's just, it it is a wild ride. 
of a cartoon. <laughs> and it is absolutely, as soon as I saw it, became one of my favorites. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's my recommendation to watch. Yeah. I love that. Sorry. I was, uh, I, yeah. I, I apologize for a face I was making. That I realized this Please. is an audio podcast and people didn't know until I just outed myself right there with that. But that's okay. <laughs> I was looking at Kirk, uh, who you referenced, uh -huh. Kirk Reedstrom, um, uh, about the, the duck and moose book. And, mm -hmm. uh, I see Houston, Texas. And of course oh, yeah. I'm from Texas. So that's a wonderful place. <gasps> and then Kimball art museum, which is in Fort Worth, my backyard and, yeah. uh, led children's arts workshop there. So yeah, this is incredible. I, yeah, uh, he's I might need to talk probably, to Kirk. Please, please, please talk to Kirk. He's fantastic. He's wonderful. He had, I think it was at that museum. So I, I'm in Tennessee and he is near Texas, but he's in Louisiana. But he had um, an event, I think it was at that museum, a squiggle party, where it was like interactive and stuff and drawing these squiggle. Uh, Oh. I could just talk about like, yes, please talk to Kirk. Okay. I love him so much. I, uh, <laughs> I'm going to make a note uh, that I can uh, have him on the show as well. Well, this has been wonderful. Scout, if people want to follow you and see what you're up to, what's the best way for them okay. to do that? Um, I am DN Doggos on pretty much all the social platforms and there's dndoggos.com. Uh, coming up here, I actually will also be at Emerald City Comic Con ah. uh, just shortly after my book comes out. Uh, I'll be on a little panel. There's going to be some signings. And uh, yeah, I would love to love to see some folks if they're going to be out there. That but please also, funny. if I see you more than once, please reintroduce yourself. Because like I said, I'm face blind. <laughs> I, I don't want to be rude to anybody. I really just can't tell. <laughs> it's, all, it's all good. It's all good. Well, Scout, thank you so much for being on the show. I look forward to having you back on for yes, your many, please. many, many, many other books that are sure to come out and just in general to talk about D&D &D or, you know, if assuming we get this wonderful uh, live stream campaign detox yeah. uh, role-playing game, that would be wonderful. Um, so yeah, I'll, uh, I'm excited to have you back on the show. Thank you so much. I would love that. Thank you so much, Joe. It's been a pleasure. Of course. Well, listeners, you've been detoxing with Detox. Now go and make a more inclusive world. If you know of an interesting person or story that needs to be told, please reach out to me at detoxpodcast at gmail.com. That's D-T-A-L-K-S podcast at gmail.com. You can also reach out via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at detoxpodcast or visit detoxpodcast.com. Also, be sure to leave us a five-star rating on iTunes if you like the show. It only takes a few seconds and it really helps us out. Link is in the show notes. Finally, thanks for listening. Please come back next week when we'll have another interesting conversation. And special thanks to my producers, Ben Lawant and Galan Aldaco. Without your help and support, this show wouldn't be possible. Thanks so much, guys. Detox is a production of Vocal. For more information and more programming, please visit vocalnow.com. That's V-O-K-A-L-N-O-W dot com. <laughs>